Good morning again. It's wonderful to spend time with you all here at New Life. Uh, most of you know me, but if you're visiting and new with us, uh, my name is uh, Anthony Hott. I'm the student pastor here at New Life. And if we haven't met, it's possible because usually during this time, I'm in the module building with the teens uh, doing our youth service there. But on these occasions, when I'm in here, uh, most of my Volunteer crew also take part in this service, so we tend to bring everyone in here together. Uh, Craig makes it a priority for not only Gavin, our children's pastor, but myself to regularly uh, be in front of you all uh, and, talk, and preach. So last week, uh, to quickly review where we're coming from, to either refresh your minds if you were here last week or if you're just starting this series with us today, uh, we can be on the same page. Now, disclaimer. I do not do Craig's sermons justice. So, if you want to get the full story, I'm, I would suggest either going to our Facebook page or our website and listening to it entirely. But, Craig started off our series, Family Matters, with taking on a very hard subject, that of marriage. Craig remind us, reminded us that many of us who are outside of the Christian faith might see Christian marriages and our other relationships as just as dysfunctional, uh, or maybe even more so, than those who don't follow Jesus. Craig took us through the Old Testament, starting in Genesis with Adam and Eve, and focusing on the idea that humans weren't made to be alone. They were made for relationships. Then he took us to Proverbs, and through many teachings on marriage and the importance of a good spouse, we left the Old Testament with two lessons. Marriage was God's plan and idea, and a good wife is a treasure and a gift from God. Craig then sent us towards Ephesians, which was written by the missionary Paul to the church in Ephesus, uh, but maybe even intended for churches in the greater area, given that Paul's other letters in the, in the New Testament were more individualistic to a church's personal problems, and this one was more of a general teaching and a review. Craig narrowed our focus to the section of Paul's letter concerning the relationship between husband and wife. And how Paul used that relationship as a parallel to Jesus' relationship with us, the church. Craig closed out our teaching last week with the foundation blocks you see up here on the stage. And these foundation blocks uh, symbolize the foundation of every relationship we're going to talk about this, during this series. That they need to be based in God, respect, love, and sacrifice. Now again, I don't do Craig's Sermon Justice, so I encourage you to check it out. But this week, we look at our next relationship or our next family dynamic that we all have experience in some way or another. And that dynamic is that of parents and their children. Now, we might, we might not all be parents, but we are all children. So don't tune me out. Now, sometimes this relationship is positive, and sometimes it comes with a negative undertone. And if the latter is true for you, well, then I'm sorry. That wasn't how it was supposed to be. I try to be an authentic teacher. I don't do good at sugarcoating things. Uh, I try to be very authentic with our teens when we're going through uh, who Jesus is. And I'll admit, I'm extremely nervous about preaching on this topic. I have been blessed with soon-to-be three daughters. 
and I've had good role models in parenting, but I still can't say that I'm confident in giving my opinion on parenting because even though I have multiple children, my oldest isn't even 10. And I work with teenagers. I know what's coming. <laughs> so I won't be coming from a per- position of personal exp- expertise. So this sermon won't be me telling you how to raise children or how you should have raised your children because that's not my place. And goodness knows enough people do that for free. Aaron McCaleb is one of my best friends. He lives in southern Illinois. He is a youth pastor like myself. And he told me one time when parents of his teens would come in and ask for advice, he'd give it to them. So this is what you should do. Be confident about it. Until he became a foster parent for a teenage girl, he and his wife. Uh, and then he stopped giving that advice. He realized that he had no idea how to, teen, how, how to raise a teen. And I can say that I'm in the same boat. But what I do know about is the importance between parents and their children, and that comes from three areas. First, my own relationship with my daughters. I've been taught many, many lessons, many lessons, I'm sure, that the parents in this room can share with me. The first one, um, I learned not to pick up my child, Myla, uh, above my head, because she thought it was funny. I would pick her up and lift her above my head, and then I'd bring her back down, and she'd laugh. Until one day, Becca had just fed Myla. <laughs> You're all ahead of me. And uh, I picked her up, and she laughed until she didn't. And then, uh, well, then I shaved my beard that night. <laughs> because no matter how hard you scrub, that smell doesn't get out. <laughs> the second lesson was in my, my temper. Uh, I'm loud. I don't even know if this mic is on. And uh, if I wanted, my go-to was if my daughters weren't listening, I would raise my voice slightly. And for Milo, this would work. For Eve, it didn't. And uh, she was learning to walk, and she got into something. And I'd be like, hey, Eve, get out of that. And she didn't listen, so I'd raise my voice a little bit more. And then she'd turn around and go, (laughs) basically mocking me. And I looked at my wife for help, and she was laughing. Because to her, the only difference between Eve and me was were five feet and a beard. So I learned that my go-to way of discipline isn't always the best. The second relationship is with my parents and how they amplified those four building blocks of God, love, respect, and sacrifice, and how they raised my siblings and me. And, and finally, the decade of working with preteens and teenagers and their parents. And that's what I'm passionate about. That's why I took on this topic. I'm nervous to talk to you all about parenting, but I wanted to do it because I've seen the repercussions of parents that don't care. And I've seen the fruit of parents that do. And most importantly, we're going to look at what God has to say about this relationship between parents and their children through these four foundations that Craig introduced to us last week. So let's look at it. Let's look at what Scripture has to say about it in Ephesians. We're almost picking up where Craig finished last week in the beginning of chapter 6 in Paul's letter to the Christians in Ephesus, uh, starting in verse 1. 
Children, obey your parents. Because you belong to the Lord, for this is right and the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you'll have a long life on the earth. And finishing four, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. So Paul is continuing this metaphor of how human relationships, last week we looked at the first between husband and wife, and today it's changed to now parent and child. But it still continues to show this parallel of the relationship of the church and Jesus. Just as the husband symbolized Jesus in the relationship last week, the parent takes on this role here. As the wife represented the church in chapter 5, children now take that role in chapter 6. So let's quickly take a moment to break down these roles. We've established the role of children represents the church. Paul uses the fifth commandment given from God to Moses in the book of Exodus chapter 20. Honor your father and mother, then you have a long life, long full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now this directive is for all of us. For we are all someone's children. As I said earlier, that relationship could be positive or negative in this moment. But the directive doesn't have an age limit. Even Paul using this reference in Ephesians isn't putting an expiration date on it because it symbolizes the relationship between us and God. If we love God, we honor Him with how we live our lives, every action we take, every breath we breathe. We should honor God in the same wavelength. Our actions should also honor our parents because the way we treat that relationship reverberates throughout our lives. Our relationship with our parents has a direct influence on our relationship with God. The way we honor our parents reflects our relationship with God. As a child, I honored my parents by obeying, mostly, and respecting them. It says to you know, obey your parents, do what they say, uh, do it woefully, pleasantly, and immediately. I say, it says do it imme- like immediately because delayed obedience is still disobedience. Now, of course, this dynamic changes once you grow older. But more on that in a minute. But if you are dependent in your, if you're still dependent upon your parents to provide for you and to protect you, then the right response for that in honoring God and thus honoring your parents is obedience and respect. Now, as an adult, the relationship changes. I no longer need my parents because I'm independent. But I still need to honor them, and I honor them by accepting and appreciating them. Now that's easy for me to say, but my story is not everyone's story. For some of you, it's hard to think about that, and that's the reality of it. I could stand up here and tell everyone in the room to honor their parents, but I don't know your parents. Maybe some some of you that positive, it was a positive relationship, and it still is. For some of you, it's a negative relationship. Maybe even non-existent. So the elephant in the room is that we, how or perhaps do we even have to honor our parents when they aren't worth honoring because of their own actions? One of my favorite college professors once told me that in a counselor's session, I had an overactive sense of justice. 
Because when I heard stories of abandonment, abuse, neglect, or unworthiness, I would get very angry. And every fiber in the old me would say, no, you don't have to honor them when presented with this question. That's the old me. The Christ in me, the new me, says yes. The question is, how can we honor someone who may not deserve it or may not even believe what we believe? And it sounds corny, but we need to rise above them. If we follow Christ, then we are to honor Christ, our Heavenly Father, by being Christ to our parents. We love them, even though they might not deserve it, because Christ loves us, and we don't deserve it. We pray for them because if we truly believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, that He died for our sins, well, that means He died for theirs too. We honor them by being children of God. I'm not asking you to be doormats. We are called to love and forgive as Christ does for us. Our parents are accountable to how they raised us up but we are accountable to how we respond. Paul also makes a note that this commandment and this directive given by God to his people was the first commandment that included a promise. Honor your mother and father, and things will go well for you. Now, I don't know if we have time to go into if that was just a promise just to the Israelites because that's who God was talking to at that moment when he gave Moses that commandment as they were going to the promised land. But it still carries over, or Paul wouldn't have talked about it. My parents were my first boss. They were the first ones to teach me the importance of, of respecting, respecting people. And in my personal experience, because of that, it has helped me as a man. And I honor them by the way I honor I show respect to you all and the people who are in charge of me. Parents, we haven't forgotten this. The role of a parent is a hard one, especially in this metaphor. Verse 4 says again, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, some translations translate father to parents. But a lot say fathers, and that may be just because of the culture that they are in. But we'll get to that in a second. You see, this wall and its foundations that Craig introduced last week are a necessity, because if we aren't using these foundations with our, within our marriage dynamic, then we can't expect them to be a part of our parenting relationship. The pressure is on us as parents to establish a house that first prioritizes this Christ-like relationship between husband and wife so that it teaches our children to model after it. If I can't or refuse to love my wife, respect my wife, sacrifice for my wife, and vice versa, then I can't expect my relationship with my daughters to be what God intended it to be. As parents, we are accountable to the gifts God has given us. We are accountable to set up a home life that not only teaches our children not only to respect and honor and obey us, but not only us, but ultimately God, because we aren't asking our children to blindly obey us. This relationship, not, not only between our children and us, but us, our children included, and God, isn't a because I said so situation. 
But what Paul is telling us is that this situation is because I showed you how. Our role as parents, and I'll expand that if you have any influence in a child's life, whether you're a grandparent, guardian, then you are accountable to this because this relationship affects us all. The Apostle Paul tells us not to provoke our children in anger by the way we treat them. Parents have the opportunity to provoke their children to anger through being unkind or overcritical uh, or tormenting a child instead of training them. Christian parents should not be like this. The teaching would be, this teaching would be revolutionary given the fact that the society in which Paul is t- teaching in was extremely and absolutely patriarchal. The father of the house word was law. His decision, his treatment of the people that he was put in charge of was absolute. If a father wanted to, he could sell his, his son into slavery. He could sell his children into slavery. He, had to, he didn't have to give an account to his wife's feelings or his children's feelings because they were his property. So the gospel that Paul is teaching, the teachings of Jesus, offered fresh wind into a society not only with the consideration of feelings and well-being of wives and women but in general, but that of children as well. We kind of forget about this because our society, our society has changed, and for good reason, but that we sometimes miss that when we read parables like the prodigal son. If you're not familiar with this teaching, it's a teaching of Jesus that taught about a man who had two sons. His youngest son wanted to leave the house. He wanted his inheritance. So his son comes up to him and basically says, Dad, I'm kind of ready for you to be dead because I want the money that's coming to me. And then the father, in his, in his, God, in his wisdom, he sold, part, he sold the property that we got, went to him, gave the money to his son. And the story follows the son from there. And what we glance over is the fact that for a lot of the people listening to this, they're more likely surprised that the father did this and not just straight up killed his son for the insult that he made upon his house. Now the son ends up learning a lesson, but the original audience that Jesus was talking to, the reaction by the father's grace would have been surprising. So no more bullying children into doing what you want them to do, says Paul. The, the author, David Moy, or Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his book about raising kids up God's way, is said to have quoted, when you are disciplining a child, you should have first controlled yourself. What, do you have, what right do you have to say to your child that he needs discipline when you obviously have none? We have to care and keep on caring. Uh, my pap, my dad's dad. When I was in high school, around there, uh, my dad and I and probably my brother were working on something, and during that time, we raised pigs for 4-H and FFA, and if we were working on anything outside, it was because of those pigs. <laughs> uh, I don't know, for some reason, I had to go over to my pap's house, and pap was on the porch, and it's still one of my favorite places to sit, uh, and I sat there and talked with him for a bit, and... Uh, my pap grew up in a different time. Uh, he loved us in his own way, and, he, and it wasn't until later on where he was re- really ever really vulnerable. Uh, and we were watching my dad. Dang it. Hold on. Uh, so we were watching my dad, probably clean up from what we were doing. 
And he says, boy, I don't really have, I'm, I'm sure he called me Anthony, but, <laughs> but uh, boy, you're lucky. Your dad, and I'll clean up the language uh, here, he, he cares about you. And that's more than some kids get. My parents are up here in the front row, so this is making it a little harder. <laughs> uh, my parents aren't perfect. No parent is. Uh, but they took the role as parents seriously. They showed love. They gave and taught respect. And I know they made countless sacrifices for us. What is wrong with me? Uh, uh, they never missed a game or a band recital or a track meet. And if you've ever been to a track meet, it's like watching water drip. And, uh, and I, know, I know they made, they probably made a lot of professional sacrifices uh, to be there for us. Uh, these relationships we have to take seriously. Uh, they are the evidence of who we follow as Christians, and if we don't, it affects the next generation that God has given us. I've seen what happens when parents don't care. Ask your friends that are teachers or coaches or counselors. They see it too. They live it. My first ministry, the ministry that I came here from, was in Illinois. My youth group was unique. It was largely made up of young men. Each young man was there for different circumstances. Each had different home lives. Some of them were in a group home, so they were even away from their parents. But the most common part of their backgrounds were that their parents simply just didn't care. And as hard as that ministry was at times, that's why I do what I do. I love being a youth minister, teen minister, student pastor, whatever term you're familiar with. I do it so God's love and grace and teaching can be heard the kids like Wayne in Illinois. One of our last times together before I left, he had made a, he had made a mistake. And he had no one else to go through, so he came to me, and we're talking in the gym, and I hugged him, and he was just mad. Why doesn't my mom care? Because mom was nowhere to be found again. Or the, or the Allens who just wanted their mom to care about what they were doing with their lives. Or David, who just after two failed adoptions, just wanted somebody to love him. And I do it for the teens that meet, meet with us out back in the modular. And every one of them, that God puts me on their path. And I love every one of them, and I tell them that every Sunday. But it can't just be me. I can't be the only one who's talking to them about God. Gavin can't be the only one talking to my daughters about God. It has to come from us, their parents. Our relationship with our spouses, with each other, with them has to amplify God with word and action. Paul isn't talking to youth ministers or volunteers or even lead pastors here at the end of verse 4. He's talking to parents, our parents. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you're a parent or a guardian over a child, then you're accountable to how that child is brought up. While they're there, they are in your care, we are accountable to how we teach and show what it means to follow Christ. We, to be obedient in our faith, to honor our Heavenly Father. We are accountable to show love to our families by providing for them, by being there emotionally for them, by showing up and stepping up and caring for them. We are accountable to how we show and teach and earn respect, not only for our children to respect us, but in how we respond and respect and honor God. We are accountable in how we sacrifice for those we love just as Jesus did for us. We are accountable for that. Being a parent is a gift that some would do anything for the opportunity to be. And they struggle for it, and in many cases they can't. And it infuriates me when those who have been blessed by God have been given this gift and they waste it. 
They treat it as if it doesn't matter. Or that entitles them to some misguided sense of superiority. And I've seen the fruit of it. I've seen the fruit of parents who care. It's okay to want to be with your kids. It's okay to want to know what's in their life, what's going on in their lives. It's okay to want to be together as a family. If you're a believer and you're a child, which we all are, we are accountable to how you, we honor our father and mothers. We are accountable in how, in how we honor them by honoring God. We are accountable to how we show them love, how we show them respect, and how we sacrifice for them as he did for us. Is it easy? No. Will it happen overnight? I wish, but it won't. It's a daily choice and a daily journey. But I believe if we don't take the roles and relationships that God has given us seriously, then we are all effective negatively. And I'll end this lesson the same way I do in the modular. What's the first step? For some of us, it's, the first step is to examine our relationships and put God back into them. For some of us, it's to accept Jesus as our Savior. We've been, maybe you've been thinking about it for a long time, and if now is the time, then Craig and I would love to talk to you. For some of us, we put our relationship with God back on the back burner and pursue other things, and now maybe the first step is to put it back in the first priority. Because our priority should be our relationship with God because it affects every other relationship that we have. Let us take our relationships more seriously. Would you pray with me? Father God, Lord, we are thankful for our relationships that you have given us, especially the one that you seek to be with us. Lord, help us not to take those relationships for granted. Help us to honor you with them. And to give them tomorrow. That they aren't things to be thrown away or cast aside, but gifts from you. Jesus, it is in your name I pray. Amen.